you know, I always say, hire them right, trade them right, trade them right, and you will not have any problems in your business. And the other part of that is get rid of the people that you make a mistake on. When they're not doing the job, you have to have the uh, ability to make hard decisions and to either fix them or move them out. And uh, I would say the hard things is what people don't do. Nobody wants to do the hard things. Nobody wants to have the hard conversation. And nobody, when you don't do the hard things, life gets harder. Welcome to the Attraction Pros Podcast, where we discuss the latest trends and challenges facing the attractions industry today. We chat with some of the top leaders in the field and provide resources that will help develop your career in this great industry. I am Josh Liebman. I am obsessed with the guest experience and helping attractions make that their top priority for success. And I'm Matt Heller. I am passionate about organizational effectiveness, leadership development, and employee engagement. Now sit upright, hold on tight, and get ready for the Attraction Pros Podcast. Hey, Matt, how's it going? Well, it's going to be a great day, and I am fantastic. All right. Not only are you fantastic, but it's also going to be a great day. Glad that I'm choosing, glad that it's both of those. <laughs> I'm choosing that it's going to be a great day today. That's true. These are these are choices that we make. Yeah. Right. Right. Question for you. You got it. Have you ever been to Oklahoma? I have. I think I was very young. In a. Um, on a family vacation, I want to say we drove through Oklahoma, hmm. and that's about all I remember of Oklahoma. Got it. Why do you ask? Uh, well, I've also driven through Oklahoma. Uh, I was on my way from Branson to Dallas, I believe, on that big road trip 11 years ago that I still yeah. haven't stopped talking about. Uh, and I also spent an afternoon in Oklahoma City once while visiting a hotel client there when I was consulting for hotels. Flew in that day, flew out that afternoon, whatever it was. Uh, the reason I ask is because our guest did not leave the state of Oklahoma until he was 20 years old. Wow. Born and raised. What do you think of that? You know, it's so interesting because there's there's probably a lot of people in our country and the whole world, I would say, that they're born in their hometown, small town, their village, right? Many of them never get out of the village and therefore they don't really have a lot of exposure to the outside world. And we get to hear the importance of having that exposure to everything, of, of traveling, of taking a job somewhere you've never been and uh, and, and getting out of the village, Getting out of the village. Mr. Lee Cockrell is here yes. to talk to us about getting out of the village and many, many other things. Um, this was an incredibly fascinating conversation from somebody who's worked in hotels. Obviously, he worked for Disney. I shouldn't say obviously. I think we know uh, of Lee, you know, through our involvement in the industry and many, many, many of our listeners, I'm sure, have at least heard his name. Uh, but if you haven't heard his name, he has been in the attractions and hospitality and entertainment industry for many years. He's written a number of different books, a lot about the time that he was at Disney. But really, this interview focuses a lot on leadership and a lot on the people side of the business. And, and uh, you know, he says that the hardest thing that you'll deal with is is other people, right? You know, it's it's not the chair that's going to break. It's it's the people that you have to have to deal with. So um, really fascinating stuff. 
Yeah, no, it, it really is. Lee was the executive vice president of Walt Disney World and, uh, and among other things within the Disney company. And uh, since he retired, he has founded the Cockerell Academy where he consults on things like leadership and customer service. And like you said, this was a fascinating, very wide ranging conversation about, uh, like I said, about leadership and uh, and just dealing with people. Uh, this, is, this is one thing, the amount of lessons that came out of this conversation. I, you you got to listen to this more than once. This is yeah. definitely, I, I took a lot of notes throughout the conversation, as I mentioned, and, and during the interview, and this will definitely be one that I'll be playing on repeat. I feel like we've both been through a, a course at Cockerell Academy now. Yes. Right? Because there was, <laughs> there's so many, so many great nuggets in there. Um, one of my biggest takeaways is if you don't do the hard things, like a hard conversation or make those hard decisions, things only get harder, mm -hmm. right? Think your problems don't go away. You know, that team member that you know you have to talk to, but you just can't, you know, find the gumption to do it or can't find the words or whatever the case may be. It's only going to get worse if you right. don't take care of it, if you don't address it. Yeah. And he also uh, equates being a leader to being a teacher. And he said that being a teacher is much better than being a boss. And I think that that's uh, just such a great way of looking at it as far as what are you doing as a leader? Are you managing people or are you teaching them? Are you guiding them and are you uh, helping to enlighten and grow their careers uh, or are you a boss? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I've got, I've got one more Oklahoma question for you. Sure. Have you ever seen or heard of the the theatrical production of Oklahoma? I have heard of it. I know it, it has an exclamation mark at the end of it, doesn't it? Yes, yes. <laughs> I was actually in the uh, two different times. I was on the stage crew and also in the pit orchestra. Nice. Oklahoma. You're playing drums? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. You're doing fine, Oklahoma. Oklahoma, okay. <laughs> So you weren't singing, you weren't on stage. No, 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 no. Was, <laughs> thank goodness, no. I was not. I was not. But with that, should we get to this interview with Lee? Yeah, let's let's get out of the village and get to this interview with Lee Cockrell. Hi, Lee. Welcome to the Attraction Pros Podcast. We're really looking forward to our conversation today. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Yeah. Our pleasure. Uh, so to get this started, uh, can you just give us a brief background and overview of your career. Yeah, well, I uh, I grew up in Oklahoma on a little farm out in uh, the middle of nowhere. Uh, we were poor as mice. I didn't know we were poor because I was young, so I got dinner every night, so it was okay. Uh, but we didn't have anything. We had outdoor, we didn't even have indoor plumbing. And I tell my grandkids that they don't believe me. And um, then, uh, there were some downsides. My mother was married five times. I've been adopted twice, got my name Cockerell when I was 16. My husband, number four, who she started making better choices. He was a doctor and had money, so I got to go to college. And I went to Oklahoma State for two years and forgot to go to class and flunked out and went to the Army in 1964. So when I got out of the Army, I met a guy there, and we went to Washington together. I got a job at the Washington Hilton up on Connecticut Avenue, up there where Reagan got shot back by John Hinckley back in the or 81, I think. And um, I got a job as a waiter. I'd never been in a hotel my whole life. I didn't know nothing about anything. And luckily, uh, it was an opening. So they took me by the hand and taught me the business and taught me why you need so many wine glasses on the table and three forks and four spoons. <laughs> and so... Uh, 
I just started learning the business and I liked it. And uh, after about a year and a half, I applied for a job in the accounting department and got turned down because I didn't have any, you know, experience. So uh, they couldn't find anybody to fill it. So they came back to me and offered it to me because it was paid so little, nobody wanted it. And I took that and six months later, my boss left and I got his job and uh, I just kind of started learning there. And I met my wife in the office next to mine. She was a secretary there and we got married and we moved to Chicago to the Conrad Hilton and then to the Waldorf Astoria in New York and then to Los Angeles. And then I left Hilton, went with Marriott, uh, stayed with Marriott 17 years, uh, had a great career there. I was vice president of food and beverage planning for the company and also a general manager at one of their hotels. And then I got recruited by Disney in 1990 to go to France and my wife made me go. She wanted to live in Paris. And the thing I don't always tell is she had a French boyfriend when I first met her. So uh, it took about a year to get rid of him. And uh, we went to France and I got uh, asked to come back to Orlando in 1992 uh, to run the hotel division. And I did that for two years. Then I got promoted to uh, executive vice president of operations for all of Walt Disney World for about 10 years. Then I retired and now I do this. I talk to people and I go around uh, convincing my clients that I know what I'm doing and they pay me. So <laughs> life's good. <laughs> and my wife hadn't left me, so I'm doing great. Right, right. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Well, Lee, thank you for that that background. Um, you know, it's funny when you talk about going around talking to people and and kind of convincing them what you that you know what you're doing. It kind of sounds like that first accounting position, right? Where you try to at least get in and try to figure it out. Um, can you talk a little bit about, because I think so often people think they have to have so much experience and they have all this schooling and stuff like that, but there's a value to just kind of getting in there and figuring it out. So can you talk a little bit about that? I'm a good example of that. <laughs> Let me tell you, the only reason I had any success in my life, I didn't have a college degree. I wasn't even a good student in high school. You know, I, I said, I've written six books. And I don't, I still don't know where the commas go. So, uh, or the, one day, my goal is to use a semicolon. I don't know what they're for, but it looks pretty cool. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, I just, I will tell people today, there's three things you need to be successful. One is uh, knowledge, uh, you know, it can be college or it can be you know, with Google in your pocket and courses online and podcasts like yours to listen to. And you can become an expert in something if you want to, if you get up every morning. So education, uh, then I think uh, experience and exposure. You know, my my a lot of my success is the experiences I had in great products. I mean, I learned I worked in places where you learn to do it right, and um, there's value in that. People want to hire you for that. And um, exposure. When I left Oklahoma, I'd never been out of Oklahoma. I was 20 years old. Now I've been to 48 or 49 countries. I do business all over the world, and I'm a different person. Uh, you know, that's what exposure does to you. And uh, I tell everybody, get the education. You'll forget most of that, but you'll never forget the experience and the exposure, meeting other people and knowing other people and understanding cultures and doing business in other countries. And uh, I think not enough young people do that. Uh, you know, you, a lot of kids graduate from college and their mother and dad want them to stay in the village and not leave. I say, I, my advice is get out of the village. Nothing's going to change in the village. And uh <clears throat> So that's what I did. I have a son who, uh, Dan, who 
ran was working for Disney for 25 years. He ran the Magic Kingdom, Epcot, and the studio. And uh, he's done the same thing. We got him exposed worldwide, and uh, it changes you. Now I got three grandkids. They left home as quick as they could because <laughs> they they like to go out and do their thing. So I would tell you, I would just tell people over and over, don't forget to, the experience. And all experience is good, and all knowledge pays off later. You read a book today, it may not pay off for a couple of years till you have some issue you got to deal with and you remember what you learned. And uh, so I remember peeling potatoes in the army. I remember cleaning bathrooms. I remember uh, working for managers who were kind of uh, difficult and trying to, for me to develop my own style and uh, approachability and being somebody people trusted and wanted to work with. So when people, a lot of kids graduate from college and their parents, you know, we offer them a job as a hostess or something at Disney and they just spent four years and hundred grand on their education. Their parents don't want them to take it. I tell them, don't do what your parents want. Do what you want. Get the experience. It will pay off. You get Disney on your resume or Marriott or Hilton. And when you go for an interview, that's all they're going to want to talk about. Uh, and uh, you'll good chances you'll get the job and then you can show them what you can do. And uh, so I think we need more kit. You know, the problem today, too many people underestimate what they can achieve just by gaining knowledge every day, gaining experience, uh, having a good attitude, uh, uh, being organized. That's the other thing. I'm very organized and disciplined. I have a very, I've been teaching time management for 35 years and this is what people want people who have a good attitude and can get it done. And uh, after that, your boss doesn't really care where you went to college, <laughs> unless you're a surgeon, maybe, <laughs> then maybe they do. But uh, uh, so it's, I think it's that concept is just, I, I, I talked to a lot of schools, a lot of colleges, a lot of high schools and driving this into them. And uh, it helps them understand because low self-confidence is the biggest problem in the world. You know, I don't think I can do it or I'm poor, or I grew up, uh, the, you know, I'm uh, all these excuses we have. And you're the only one that knows all that. <laughs> Nobody else knows you. And being poor doesn't keep you from learning. So, uh, yeah. So I think it's good for all of us, including you guys you're out there talking to the kids and young people and managers about, uh, yeah, you can do more. And it's a fairly simple concept, you know, learn more, and then you can be more. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it's it's a i think i've now learned teaching is the, what we all should strive to be teachers because we don't need any more bosses nobody likes a boss anyway be a teacher and uh you'll be more successful because uh i never had people thinking they worked for me at disney it was they worked with me and they kept me out of trouble and i listened to them and we made good decisions together and when you know if they don't think if they think they work with me, they tell me the truth. If they think they work for me, they're afraid. And uh, so that's that's how I uh, was so successful when I didn't know anything. So <laughs> that's, it's a good concept. <laughs> Include other people, they'll make you famous. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so in the last few minutes, I've been aggressively trying to take as many notes as possible because I think ah. that right there is, you just gave us like a 
graduate level degree in leadership just just in a few minutes. I would love to maybe unpack it even a little bit more here. When you talk about peeling potatoes in the army and you talk about, you know, the the tough managers that, that you dealt with and kind of these these three prongs here, the knowledge, the experience, the exposure, how have those from, you know, from early on in your career really influenced your leadership style when you were overseeing Walt Disney World? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, when I left Oklahoma, I was 20 years old. I'd never been out of Oklahoma and I, I grew up there in the 40s and 50s. So it was a white school, a black school, and a third school for Native Americans. That's how, uh, how the lack of inclusiveness was. So I said I was a potential racist. People say, how'd you get over it? I said, I left. <laughs> I got out of there and moved to Washington, D.C. Let me tell you, you if you move to Washington, you better like everybody because they're all there. And, uh, and uh you know, I was convinced there were no gay people in Oklahoma <laughs> and all the stuff you hear. And and it's just uh, that's what exposure does. And it made me a better person. I, I, I laugh. I tell people today uh, when I go to my reunions, I say, you know, I have friends named Mohammed and Maria and Ricardo. And they go, whoa. I say, yeah. And they're all the same around the world. And they're great people. And I and uh, so I, I just. Uh, I can't even imagine if I'd have stayed there because you're, you're ne and when uh, that now I know why they say you can't go home <laughs> because <laughs> once you've had exposure, uh, it is, uh, you're a new person. And it's, uh, so it's infected me a lot because I work in the business where everybody's from somewhere else. They become your friends. I was a waiter. We went out after work together. We dated, we went there, they, they, we spent our time together and, uh, Everybody who comes to a, a hotel or a theme park or is from somewhere else, uh, from all over the world. Disney cast members are from, I don't know, 130 countries from all over the world. And and uh, it certainly made me uh, uh, who I am today is uh, starting to appreciate those people and to understand that we're all the same. And uh, you can't do that if you grow up in isolation in a, in a culture where everybody's the same. That's why I tell them, leave the village. The village ain't going to change. <laughs> you better get out of the village because it'll be the same 30 years from now. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, exposure, it's, it changes you. I mean, it, it, you can't help it whether you like it or not. So it, um, and I think it helped me under, people have a regard for me because they know I've been to their countries. I've done business with them. I know them. I lived in France for three years. I've been to, I even went to Iraq during the war and did 13 seminars for the military, uh, which was amazing. Flew into Baghdad. <laughs> and, uh, these are things you can't take out of your brain. I mean, you can read about it until you do it. And that's why I tell you, get experience. And they say, well, what should I do? I said, it doesn't matter. Pick a good company, Marriott, Hilton, Apple, just take any job they'll give you. If they can't, if they give you the job cleaning the bathroom, you be the best little bathroom cleaner they ever had in the whole world, and you'll be running the bathroom crew. And then you'll be in charge, and you'll just keep moving up. And you'll have so much credibility because of your experience. And, I mean, nobody can do anything in the hotel business I don't know about. I was involved in doing inappropriate things myself when I was a young waiter. <laughs> you know, I don't want to talk about that, but I, <laughs> I might have I had a few drinks and might have taken some food, and I might have done a few things. I might have, but uh, I know how it works. I know how it happens, and I got, went in the accounting group and learned how to control the costs, and uh, 
Yeah. If you're ser- selling liquor, cigarettes, and you got money around, you better keep an eye on it. <laughs> yeah. So it's just that, you know, we all know you guys are this, you're mate, you're, you're who you are because of the experiences you've had. And uh, so uh, I keep trying to drum that into people. Get out, go do it. Yeah. And there you go. I mean, it's, it's a simple process. I think people are afraid to do the sometimes they don't want to take risks and, you know, when you're 20 years old, there is no risk. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what's the worst that's going to happen? You get fired. I mean, you get another job. Jobs are a dime a dozen, but experiences. So uh, I still hear people, oh, for what if, what if, what if? No, don't worry about it. Yeah. You know, nothing. We, we overthink things and don't take the risk. And then we have regrets later on in our life. Why didn't we go do that? Why didn't we take that chance? Why didn't we? So uh, uh, that, that's what worked for me. Yeah. Yeah. So, Lee, I'm curious because, you know, you talk about taking risks and, you know, when you're 20, you got nothing to lose and things like that. One of the things I've noticed working with a lot of young folks is they don't have the confidence to do that. Right. Like, you know, you get to a certain point where you're like, no, I know there's nothing to lose. I know that I'm always going to be I will always land on my feet because of my experience. So how do you instill in a young person, maybe just coming out of college that, you know, you've got a lot of risks you're going to take in life start taking those risks. Yeah, well, I left Oklahoma. I was the most insecure person that's ever lived on earth. I mean, when you when you grow up poor and you don't have a college degree and your mother's married five times, uh, you're pretty insecure. <laughs> and uh, uh, I don't know. I just, I knew I didn't want to be that way. I didn't want to be poor and I didn't want to, uh, I just knew I needed to go do something. And uh, so I just did it. And I think the only way we can convince them is keep talking to them, uh, having people talk to them, uh, getting people to listen to podcasts, getting people to uh, go and take a seminar, do this and that. Some people will never do it. I mean, some people are risk averse. They're not going to go do it. But I got a son who did it because he grew up in our family where we whenever I have three grandkids who, you know, one's a biomedical engineer in Boston, one's on a learn getting ready to transfer to somewhere in uh, Spain or Italy. The other one's in school in France. I mean, they, they, my grandson had his kidney, uh, or not his kidney, his, um, uh, his gallbladder, I guess it was taken out uh, when he was um, very, like 13. And next, two days later, he flew to France by himself. So I, <laughs> this is like, uh, appendicitis, yeah. But I said, you know, that's just because they are exposed. When you're exposed, you you become like the environment and culture you live in and grow up in and hang out in. And that's why, you know, we all talk. I always talked about there are certain kids we didn't want our, our grand our my son to be around because you be in that culture, you'll get in trouble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As my wife said, America's extremely safe if you're not involved in drugs and you're not out after midnight. <laughs> so <laughs> that's when all the problems happen. So. You just got to go do your thing. And, you know, the more success you have, your con- your confidence rises. You know, every, as I, about halfway through my career, my lack of self-confidence was pretty uh, diminished. But, I mean, I still have it. I'm still, you know, somebody said, how'd you be so successful? I said, I had a huge fear of failure. <laughs> I didn't want to, you know, it's, and that's insecurity, but it can drive you too. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and I always tell them, just think about what's the worst thing that can happen if you go do that in America. I mean, give me a break. 
people can't find anybody anyway now, so you don't have to worry about a job. And uh, yeah, that's and for parents to give their kids exposure and to send them off to camp and have jobs when you're 16 and 17 and 18 and working and uh, getting a taste of the future. Mm -hmm. Too many people, I think, don't work today. We made sure our grand they all had jobs, 16, 17, 18. They went off to college, and they, they did just fine because uh, you got to be to work on time. You got to have your name tag on. You got to – they had to be to work at 6 in the morning. About 50 kids got fired the first week because they couldn't get to work on time. And so they learned all these – you know, those are lessons. That's – you know, you are what – you are what you uh, do and know, and uh, you're just the decisions you make. And uh, so, yeah. So that's just things I think all people can learn, and uh, yeah. we got to keep talking to them about it. Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Well, Lee, looking at uh, your career, one of the things we're curious about is about your transition from hotels into theme parks. And when that opportunity came uh, to move, what what was that learning curve like? I've, I've dabbled in hotels a little bit from a consulting standpoint and worked with a, a lot of the top brands of Hilton and Marriott and including the Conrad in Chicago, which I believe you mentioned towards the beginning. And, uh, you know, from, from a hospitality standpoint, there's definitely a lot that's very similar, uh, but also from, you know, an, an operational and overall experience component, there are you know elements that are very different. So curious as far as what, uh, what your experience was of kind of going from one really from one area of hospitality to another, but, you know, rel relatively different sides of the industry. Yeah, I'm kind of, uh, I, I, I have a theory. I didn't know anything about the theme park business. And in fact, when I went to Disney, there were a lot of people who had been there 25, 30 years that were vice presidents. They weren't too happy to see me because uh, why did I get the job? Why didn't they? And I never really understood deeply the theme park business. I hired great people around me. I mean, people knew what they were doing. That's my that's my style. People said, what'd you do at Disney? I said, nothing. I said, basically, I hired a great team in engineering, security, attractions, um, food and beverage, retail. They're all very complex. And at Disney's volume, I mean, they're like brutal. And uh, I hired the best people, and then I uh, gave them the authority to run their business. They knew what their budget was, and they knew what they were doing. And I took the role that I'm here if you want to talk to me, if I can help you, if you need more people or you need something, I'll go fight for you with the president and try to say to get it. But uh, I actually, I wasn't even interested in learning in, about the attraction business. I just wanted to make sure I got people who knew what they were doing. And I, and I think as you... Uh, you can't know today it's very complex. You've got to really have experts. I mean, that's a tough business, man, for safety and, and the, the budget and the productivity and uh, all the things that apply today, if you're going to be great. And I, I think that was my major success is I had great people. They were amazing. And um, I, I think I led them in a way that let them do their thing and, you know, great people don't want to be micromanaged. Mm -hmm. Great people want to run their business. And uh, I had the same people for years. Nobody left because we created an environment, a culture where they felt like uh, they mattered and they had authority and they ran the business. Every one of them got promoted. You know, Carl Holtz worked for me running Epcot. And he ended up being CEO of Disneyland Paris and 
president of the cruise line and and all of them I did very well and uh so you don't have to know everything you only I said you don't have to do anything you just got to make sure it gets done and when you got talent you get it done uh you know it's like a surgeon if I worked in a hospital I wouldn't I would let get the best surgeon <laughs> and I if I was an administrator in a hospital, just think about all the things you won't know, couldn't know, and but you run the business side of it and the HR side and the uh, training and development. Get, make sure people are getting the right training, getting the right development. And I said at Disney, we have three things we do better, and anybody can do these. We hire better, we train better, and we treat them better. And, you know, I always say, hire them right, train them right, treat them right, and you will not have any problems in your business. And the other part of that is get rid of the people that you make a mistake on. When they're not doing the job, you have to have the uh, ability to make hard decisions and to either fix them or move them out. And uh, I would say the hard things is what people don't do. Nobody wants to do the hard things. Nobody wants to have the hard conversation. And nobody, when you don't do the hard things, life gets harder. And as a parent or as a leader in business, uh, that's, you know, I tell people, if you can't make hard decisions and um, have hard discussions with people, number one, don't have children. <laughs> number two, don't become a leader because that's all you do. It's not about the roller coaster. It's about the people. Every problem you have in your life will be a person. Mm -hmm. And they're difficult, they're complex, and you have to be... You have to deal with it. And uh, it's kind of like exercise. You know, the number one reason people don't exercise, it's hard. <laughs> I mean, that's it. Why do people go back for the third meatball or drink the whole bottle of wine? Because it's hard not to. We just like to do easy things and therefore you get screwed up. And um, so it's basically, I tell people, if you use two things to be a leader, empathy and discipline, those mm -hmm. are the only two you need. And the same two your mother used. Uh, mothers are the best example of leadership, empathy and discipline. And they'll use both of them on you within 30 seconds. Right. <laughs> they'll tell you they love you and then kick your butt. And, uh, and, uh, and I think uh, just I'm doing a project right now that words matter, like fair and firm. That's how you deal with people. You're fair and you're firm. And that being the firm part is the hard part. Uh, even being fair sometimes is the hard part and um, uh, uh, yeah it's just uh, always understand every problem you have in your life ever will be a person mm -hmm. uh, you know your chair is not ever going to create that big a problem for you but person who manufactured it or somebody it, it leads back to a person every problem you have in your life and I know that and uh I say the number one question you should ask yourself today, everybody, if you have any problems in your life, ask yourself, is it my, is it my fault? <laughs> you know, did you hire the wrong person? Did you not train them? Were you not clear with them? Did you know, did you not sit down with them? Uh, if your wife leaves you, it's probably your fault. <laughs> so, so I think this concept of, yeah, you put yourself in these spots and you, We've got to t train, teach people. These are, you've got to make better decisions. It's mm -hmm. not my fault you drank four glasses of wine and you don't feel good today. <laughs> it's not my fault you ate three meatballs. It's not my fault you ate an hour before you went to bed or that you don't exercise because all those are, everything that's good for you is hard. That's all I know. <laughs> and everything that's hard is good for you. <laughs> so uh, just think about that. 
Yeah. It's just a good concept. People don't like to read. Well, okay, but it's good for you. <laughs> uh, people don't like to whatever. Uh, just you think about all the things you don't like to do. Most of them are good for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting you mentioned the chair. You know, I've got a chair behind me for those watching. Yeah. You know, it's it's probably easier to make the decision. Like if it's creaking or if it breaks or something, it's easy to make the decision. I need a new chair, right? Yeah, get rid of it. It's probably harder to make the decision. Like I need a new employee. Like if they're broke or if they're if they're not doing because if you're honest with yourself, you realize that's a reflection on you, right? The chair's not a reflection on me. But to your point, I may have made a hiring mistake. I may have not coached that person properly. I may not have not, you know, doled out the right amount of empathy and discipline. So Absolutely. that's my fault. Absolutely. I mean, it's that simple. Yeah. And people are running around blaming the weather, the government, the political parties, the blah, blah, education. Every parent wants to blame the teachers for their kids being an idiot. I mean, you know, I mean, no. <laughs> and that's an excuse that gets you in trouble eventually because you keep put, thinking it's not you. And nobody else cares about you, by the way. You better care about yourself. There's only one other person cares about you is your mom. That's about it. <laughs> Everybody says we care about you. No, they don't. <laughs> I mean, you've got to control your life. Take care of your health. Take care of your family. Take care of your business. And get learn how to manage your time. The number of things people waste time on is like mind-boggling. It's like uh, they don't have time to exercise, but they have time to watch a two-hour movie. You know, I mean, come on. This is like, uh, yeah. So uh, there's a lot to learn that we don't, and we don't teach it in high school and college either about how to keep your life under control, how to manage, how to use a planner, how to think about the priorities in your life, how to think about what you need to do today, today that won't pay off for another year, two, three, four, five. Uh, I said, you know, exercise pays off later <laughs> and uh, eating right pays off later. And, uh, every, you know, having a hard conversation with somebody pays off later when they're successful. You know, the power you have as a leader, people can have a, you can destroy somebody's life or you can make it better. I mean, really, it's like some people shouldn't have children <laughs> because they, they don't do a good job. You can't fire your kids or you shouldn't. But uh, that is a key principle for me. Are, every one of us, including you two, have problems in your life that you've been putting off for who knows how long, maybe one, maybe three, maybe more. And you should write them down and look at them and say, what are you going to do about it? And I tell people, take one of them and do what you got to do. And it could be hard. It could be a relationship issue. It could be a learning issue. It could be a whatever it is, you know what it is. <laughs> and if you're not dealing with it, it's not my fault, but it will take you down because it'll keep you awake emotionally and the number one reason people procrastinate is they don't get enough sleep. They wake up, you don't feel good. What do you do? Not so much. And then you think, then you go eat too much because that cheesecake will make you feel better. And then you feel good for a little while. And then it's five o'clock. You better have a few glasses of wine to feel better again. And you do. And then you go to bed and you can't sleep again. I mean, it's, it's I tell, you know, one of the exercises I went through for years was, and I tell people to do it. When you wake up in the morning and you don't feel great, take a few minutes and think about why. Why don't you feel great? Why? Mm -hmm. Did you not drink enough water? Did you have an argument with your wife that you stayed awake thinking about? Did you 
Did you eat too late? Did you drink too much? Did you, whatever it is, is the room not cold enough? Is, uh, I'm telling you, there's, if you want to know, you can know. And uh, it's a good exercise. Yeah. It's a good exercise. And to take the time when somebody's not performing and just sit back and think, why? Why is this happening? And then get into it. If you can't figure it out, tell them. Let's see if they have an explanation. And I mean, this, this, it's kind of that self like, okay, I, nobody's going to figure out why I can't sleep but me. You know, that's all. Yeah. And most people just feel bad and they don't think why. There's a reason these things happen. If you don't, if you get it, if you're in bed for eight or nine hours and you get up in the morning, you don't feel great. There's a reason. <laughs> you better get to the doctor, the emergency room, eat right, quit doing it. I mean, this is like the best way to improve yourself is when you're not happy, find that. Why? Why? Yeah. You know, yeah. why do I think somebody's not performing? I don't know, but I'm, I have that feeling in my mind. And you got to go get in it. You know, you got to sit them down and say, hey, guy, I don't know what you're doing. I like you. I hope you're here, but it's not working. And, and they may tell you, well, I'm having health problems or my mother's in the hospital. OK, good. Let's get that out. We'll work on it together. But don't I need to know why, because you're uh, polluting my brain and I may fire you if I don't figure this out pretty quick. So we have a responsibility. Uh, you know, usually when we fire somebody, it's 50 percent our fault because we don't deal with it and don't get in just about yeah so those are concepts i think we can really teach people and uh, they can I, I don't think anybody says oh yeah i never thought about it that way well yeah thinking is a good thing right <laughs> they used to do it in the old days people used to think before they did things well we ought to get back to that what are you not happy about in your life what are you not happy about in your career what are you not happy about in your salary, your health, your relationships, your kids, your family? What, um, the, obviously, the final answer, oh, what are you going to do about it? Yeah. Just let it go? Because 99% of these you can fix. You can do it yourself or you can get somebody to help you. You may need a psychiatrist. You may need a trainer. <coughs> you may need a doctor. He may need a new wife. I don't know. But there's something that's holding you back. And um, it took me a long time to figure that out because I was very insecure and had a lot of excuses most of my career until about halfway through when I started to wake up and figure out, hey, must be my fault. <laughs> when you put up with something, you know, if you put up with a boss that intimidates you and doesn't treat you right and uh, uh, is autocratic, that's not his fault. That's your fault. You yeah. can leave. You can tell. And I told Bob before, don't ever speak to me like that again. I'm telling you, I won't be here. Mm -hmm. I told one guy I worked for, I'll, I'll be coming over that desk if you ever talk to me like that again. We had it. You know what happened? I'd rather get fired and stay in that thing where every night you're always worried about your job and you don't sleep at night. And you're, I mean, no, don't let people push you around. Because if you do, it's your fault. <laughs> so, and how many people are right now working where they hate their job? Get Too out many. of there. That's that's not good for your health, by the way. Right. That'll take you out. Uh, so these are just kind of things I'm working on training today. And um, you all could, you all have a lot of influence. You ought to, when you have a chance, uh, wake people up because they, 
you know, reading a book's not going to make you better. There's other things you need to do first. Buy the book. Don't think about it. If you want to be better, you can be better. If you don't, well, time will go by. Time's not on your side. You know. Yeah. I said there's only four ages. You're born, you're 21, you're 65, and you're dead. So that's you better get with it because <laughs> yeah. you know life goes on yeah think about it i, th I have a 53 year old son where'd he come from <laughs> i mean literally where did he come? i have 27 year old grandchildren well, huh how'd this happen I've, I've been married for 54 years where did she come from i mean good <laughs> grief it was just yesterday that you know that, that's what happens and no, the problem with leadership is you got to be responsible for yourself, but you really hurt a lot of people if you're not got your act together. Just think of all the people that are depending on you. Mm -hmm. And or if you have children, you can make their life great or you can screw it up. And when, while you're making it great, they won't be happy. <laughs> when they're 13, they won't like you. <laughs> well, that's their problem. <laughs> so <laughs> responsibility is a tough thing, but it's more fun to be responsible and to know you're making a difference and uh, not everybody's going to love you as you're going along, but uh, they will trust you and they will learn to be better leaders themselves. And that's what we're supposed to be doing. So go ahead. Yeah. So, so along that journey of leadership, you talk about building trust and uh, you, you talked about, uh, uh, you know, making excuses a few minutes ago. And you said that, that uh, you had been doing that for, I think you said the first half of your career would love to know if, you have any favorite failures over the course of your career that there were just some great lessons that came from it and, and stories that you can share to that end? Yeah. I mean, I've hired the wrong people and waited way too long to deal with it. Almost got fired myself. I opened Chicago Marriott and I had a chef who was a great guy. We worked together. I brought him with me. Uh, Chicago was a big, hard hotel, 5,000 in one ballroom, 3,000 in another all these restaurants and he wasn't able to pull it off. Nice guy. And I kept, you know, letting it go. And we had oh, things weren't working out. Costs were overrun wages, uh, getting, being late for banquets. And I didn't deal with it because I was that, I don't like to deal with those kind of things. You know, I was one of these people that hoped it got better <laughs> instead of, or wish it gets better, but I didn't deal with it. And my boss, he said to me one day, he said, Lee, if you don't deal with him, I'm going to deal with you. That's when I started to get better. <laughs> and I think that was, he was right. If I don't, if you don't deal with it, I'm going to deal with you. He reports to you. And uh, it's not working. It's not happening. And it's your responsibility. So I started going to seminars. I started reading more. I started drumming up enough courage to do it maybe in smaller ways at first and having more frank conversations with people. And uh, it's like anything, the more you do it, the better you get at it. And then eventually you get uh, people appreciate it. People, they don't like it that day you do it, but they appreciate it when they come back to you later and say, thanks for that talk you had with me two years ago, or thanks for whatever you did. And uh, today I can't imagine not telling people the truth because it's really, uh, it's the downsides for them. It's not about me. It's them. And uh, my clients like to work with me because I just, you know, they, uh, I don't report to anybody. I just tell them how it is and they like it because 
it's an awakening. A lot of uh, CEOs, a lot of other people don't want to have the hard conversations. They don't want to make the hard decisions. They don't like confrontation. They, and um, we figure out how to do that. I even tell them, you don't want to fire that guy. You know, he's a problem. Mm. Have you talked to him? Well, nah, nah, nah. I said, okay, never mind. You pay me, I'll take care of it for you. <laughs> Give me $33,000, I'll go fire the guy for you tomorrow. I kind of shame them into doing the, what they're supposed to be doing as their responsibility. Yeah. You know, it's like if your kids are on drugs, you need to get involved. <laughs> and you need to, if they're not doing well at school, you need to get up there and get involved and find out what's going on. And, uh, and uh, we can't lay back and hope and wish and pray that life works out because it doesn't. Yeah. I think those are the things in leadership that are the most important. It's not so much what you knew, know, it's about who are you? Can you get people to do what they're supposed to do and making people better in all areas? I mean, at the end of the day, I'm better for some of the people I worked with over the years. I mean, I think back about them that helped me and straightened me out and told, like the guy had said, if you don't deal with him, I want to deal with you. That was a major lesson. Mm-hmm that um you know I, maybe i don't know if it seemed like that at time. and he said to me once he said lee why don't you do you understand the whole world does not revolve around lee cockerel <laughs> do your job because i used to you know i took everything personally i was defensive and i'm sure we all know those people yeah. and he just kicked my butt every time and i i got out of it I, I, he pushed me out of that uh, insecurity and uh I would say most people having problems have a, a mental problems <laughs> like I did. <laughs> you know, why aren't you dealing with it? Well, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they put up their own roadblocks, oh, right? Roadblocks. And they don't believe it's there. They don't believe they do it. They just, you know, I got screwed here. I don't know how this happened. You know, it'll work out. It'll be better later. <laughs> no, it won't. It'll be worse later. So, uh yeah, dealing with issues and being responsible. Yeah. Responsibility, you know, that's the name of the game. If you're going to have responsibility, you need to be responsible. <laughs> and we've got to teach people that concept. It's not just about getting a job and having a title and getting a paycheck and a company car, but you've got to deal with people. And uh, and you got to deal with them quickly. You mm -hmm. don't let it get into a routine that makes it even worse. I mean, just a, I was saying, when you don't know what to do, ask your mother. You know, you call your mother and you say, I got this guy working for me, mom. And he doesn't come into work on time and every day. And she said, well, have you talked to him? <laughs> and he said, well, not yet. No. <laughs> okay. So I talked to him, mom, and uh, he's still coming in late. What should I do? Fire him. <laughs> I mean, mother, <laughs> you know, they, don't, they know exactly what to do. So I just tell you, your best advisor might be your mom. Yeah. Uh, quit screwing around. Yeah. And I think it's that simple. Mothers are the best leaders because they have empathy, they have discipline, they make hard decisions. They they know that they have to do things early in the process because it takes 18 to 20 years to develop you and get you out of the house, make you a good person. And uh, yeah, that's I love that my grand my daughter-in-law is about to publish a book called Manage Like a Mother. Hmm. And uh, it's going to come out in uh, Portuguese and Brazil first, and then it'll be here in May. And I think the analogy, when you think about it, the analogies are strong. Yeah. 
your mother does it because she loves you and she cares about you. And if you respect and care about your people, you do it too, because your job's to make them better. Not, <laughs> and uh, that's hard. Yeah, that's a lesson we all need to learn earlier. Mm -hmm. Do what you're supposed to do. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's not that hard. Learn, learn it, and apply it. Yeah, right. Apply it. Yeah. 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 Exactly. People have a lot of ideas, and you're right. They don't apply them. Yeah. Yeah. They don't apply them. And uh, yeah, is it fun? No. I mean, going through hard times is hard. Yeah. And, uh, but, but the night before you have to do it, you can't sleep. The night after you do it, you feel so relieved. Yes, I just had a client in Brazil tell me, he said, Lee, we've been working. I talk to them every week for an hour, 200 of the employees in this company in Brazil. And just about these kind of things we're talking about. And the guy came on this week and he said, Lee, I want to tell you, we did something hard. He has a franchise. And I said, what's that? He said, we fired the manager. She's been here 20 years. I said, wow. I said, when should you have done it? He said, 10 years ago. <laughs> he said, my wife and I are so happy. It's been like lifted off our shoulders. She was not doing a good job. The people didn't like her. She didn't treat people right. But she had become family because we've been together so long. I said, you feeling good? He said, we feel great. Mm -hmm. We didn't want to do it last night. Tonight, we slept much better. <laughs> it's like, oh, you know, you, we all do that. Yeah. I jumped out of an airplane with an army jump team, and you know, attached to them. Not, and um, the night before, I was rough. <laughs> Right after we went out of the plane, it was okay. You know, I mean, this is like we we struggle with uh, our own uh, insecurities and our own lack of courage, and and it only gets better if you do it. Mm -hmm. You know. So I asked the guy who I jumped with. I said, "How many times you done this?" He said, 5,000. Wow, <laughs> boy, that must uh, be something. He said, "No, jumping out of an airplane is nothing." He said, "You know what's hard? Playing golf." <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, it's kind of, more you do it, the better you get. The more you do it, it's not an issue anymore. Yeah. Uh, so I think that determination, I'm going to push myself through this wall so that I, because there's going to be a lot of walls. You're going to have many obstacles in your life and career, and they're just going to keep coming up. And when you can just deal with it and get it over with and move on, instead of letting it attack your life and your relationships and your home life and, uh Every problem we got's in our brain. <laughs> your brain lies to you. It tells you, well, let it go. It'll be okay. No, right. your brain lies. It Don't believe your brain. Half the stuff in your brain is not true anyway. <laughs> Half the stuff your parents taught you is not true. And uh, we start believing it. And uh, we know what's right. We all know. We know what we're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. We know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so those are fun things to think about for mm -hmm. leadership and development, and and make. And I would say being a teacher instead of a boss is one of the most satisfying things you can do in life. Being a teacher, I mean, when people thank you for teaching them or showing them, and uh, I mean, uh, absolutely. Uh, I remind people every single day, every single one of us is a teacher and a student. Mm for the whole life. Every day you learn something and every day you teach something. You teach your kids by role modeling, by whatever you learn. You learn as they get older. You know. And I think, what'd you learn today? And what'd you teach today? 
And uh, really, it's a fact. A lot of people haven't read a. I met a guy the other day said he hadn't read a book ever in his life. <laughs> ever. Wow. I didn't say anything. I just, okay. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't surprised after we had a talk for a while. And he had never been anywhere. You talk about exposure. He said, I went to Wisconsin once. That was it. That was it. That was it. And that's his parents' fault, his employer. Encouragement. People need to be encouraged. You know, people don't want to take risk. You know, to go to Mexico, it's a risk for some people, or to go to Europe, or to same stuff. You know, I think uh, 50% of Americans don't have a passport. And so they have had not had the exposure. Mm -hmm. They don't have any black friends. <laughs> they don't have any gay friends. They don't have any, you know, I mean, it's like, uh, and you become what you experience. Yeah. You mm -hmm. become you become that. Yeah. If you play tennis every day, you'll be a better tennis player. <laughs> if you tell the truth every day, people will have more respect for you. And uh, so I I love this. It's a subject that we all should be talking about more and teaching and demonstrating. Absolutely. Uh, people, you know, mainly people learn by watching us. I mean, literally, your kids learn. Most of what they learn is watching you and your wife engage. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, <laughs> So be careful what you say and do. Right. <laughs> they're sucking it up, man. Right. People say, well, the kids are asleep. I said, kids are never asleep. They know everything that's going on. <laughs> hear you talking on the phone. They hear you what you say to your wife. They hear what you say about people. Oh, yeah. And so do the employees. Yeah. Everybody's judging you every day. Mm -hmm. They not notice. They are. They notice. They know. They're all talking about you behind your back. Mm-hmm. And hopefully for the good. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. But those are those are real life things that I'm not sure we teach in college and high school. These are the more important things. The technical part is no big deal. The management part, learning how to do it or taking accounting or the people thing is the yeah. most difficult course you will ever engage in in your life. It's a lifelong pursuit. Ooh. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I said, people ask me how I'm doing. I said, well, my wife hadn't left me and my, all, nobody in the family's in rehab. So we're doing good. Good. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. There's an obstacle around every corner. And you better deal with them because they don't get smaller mm -hmm. by ignoring them. They get bigger. And uh, so when's the, when should you start worrying about your health? 10 years ago, 20 years yeah. ago. <laughs> but it's not too late. Right. It's not right. too late. And so write down what your problem is. <laughs> and then ask, what are you going to do about it? And you don't have to deal with it yourself. You can get somebody to help you. You can get a trainer. You can get a coach. You can go talk to somebody else. You can get a psychiatrist. I mean, you just have to be aware of what you need to be better at. And then you can figure out how to get it done. Yeah. Well, I think that, that that's good homework for all of us, right? Yes. <laughs> to write that down. Absolutely. You may, you, know, you may want to ask your wife, what's her biggest problem? She might say you. Uh, <laughs> then you'll know what you have to do. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's that self-reflection of we talk about it a lot, but I'm not sure we do it because uh, it's hard. Mm -hmm. Okay, You wake up this morning, you got saying, eh, let's do the easy things. <laughs> and that's why, I have a that's why I have a trainer. We schedule it. My wife and I do it together, but it's in our calendar because we don't want to do it. <laughs> We would, we'd blow it off if we just had to do it when we got time. Sure. 
we do it every week. We do strength training, balance, and agility, and we have a trainer, and he works us hard, and we do it twice a week with him in the gym. And uh, my wife has improved her, you know, I mean, we're getting older, and if you don't do it, you'll fall and break a hip one day. You talk about the consequences of not taking care of things. You break a hip, that's the beginning of the end. And mm. how many people fall as they get older? A lot. So this is really my wife's uh, balance and all has improved dramatically just by continual exercises. And and uh, so I don't want her to break a hip. I have to take care of her. <laughs> you, won't be, you won't be able to wave that magic wand and fix the hip. Right. right. <laughs> told me to take care of myself so I can take care of her. There you go. I think there's a good lesson there. Your oh, yeah. family wants you. Your own family wants you. Do it for your family, even if you don't do it for yourself. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So these are things we got to think more deeply about. My, yeah. my wife keeps telling me she wants to be around for a long time. So I, I take that as a good sign. It is. Right? Yeah. Because yeah. she wants to, you to be putting cash in that bank account. <laughs> for whatever reason. <laughs> he might like you actually yeah she might she might uh well lee this this has been a, a fa fascinating um conversation and so appreciate your time um we see if you're watching the video you can see lee's book behind him um if people wanted to get in touch with you or buy your books or learn even more about you where would you send them yeah well i have everything i do in my life on my website leecockerel.com i put it all there because i'm getting older and i don't have to remember where it is it's there <laughs> <laughs> and everything's there my cockerel academy my podcast and we have 410 episodes now awesome. wow. we also publish every tuesday at it's, ours is only 15 minutes um there's all kinds you can buy the books you can do whatever you want podcast of course is free and it's good lessons about hiring firing uh, treat how to treat people so uh yeah it's all there yeah all right Fantastic. Uh, well, like Matt said, this has been uh, just such a fascinating conversation. I feel like I learned so much and I just can't wait to listen back to it and take even more notes than uh, than I was able to get just uh, just in this interview right now. So Lee, thank you for your time today. And for everyone out there who is watching and listening, just remember, we are all attraction pros. There you go. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Attraction Pros podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you can tune in when new episodes release. And even better, please leave us a review on iTunes. For more information, visit attractionpros.com.